really proud of the efforts of, of, of NASCAR for stepping up and wanting to, you know, be a part of change. There are some people who these racist views are core to their being, and they are leaving them, and that's fine. They need to be left by NASCAR and everyone else. The stars and bars is a symbol of hate. This is the most crucial time, and, and the time is of the essence right now in the, in the world that we're in. For me, it's something just has to change, and that's just where a lot of guys talked about it, and we started. So, Y'all tell me what that flag was. I know exactly what that flag was, but I also know what that flag is. Don't know anybody coming me with a history lesson of what that is. People act like I'm betraying some sort of cause or betraying their DNA. Give me a break. We have to continue this message. It has to be today, tomorrow, the next day, and 10 damn years from now. NASCAR drives change. A Marty and McGee special on the SEC Network and on ESPN Radio. Welcome in to the third pandemic hour they added this third hour during this thing i hope we get to keep it uh it's marty mcgee on espn radio the sec network and the espn app and by i'd be surprised uh, hollering at your smart speaker to play espn radio oh i'm a ram and uh it is uh, the first two hours um brad darty was uh nascar owner nba all-star lifelong stock car racing fan was um his insight was amazing wark scott has just joined us and uh, the grandson of Wendell Scott, NASCAR Hall of Famer, the until Bubba Wallace, the only uh, black driver to be a full-time racer at NASCAR's highest level. Uh, our buddy Clinton Yates is going to join us at the bottom of the hour. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And uh, Marty, uh, where's your head right now, man? Spinning a little bit. Um, I'm really grateful for Brad really grateful for Warwick and the perspective that they can bring and it's important that they uh that they're able and willing and vulnerable enough to bring it the way they have with such great passion and and vulnerability just to open that door and let people understand what they've experienced um but yeah my head's spinning just a little bit how about you yeah I mean it's it's just um I've I feel like everything's been turned up to 11, and it's been like this for a couple of weeks. It's been like this for a few months, if you want to roll into pandemic, but but over the last couple of weeks in particular. And then for for you, and you, you folks, just so you know, Marty and I talk every day. And it's usually when he's in the truck on the way to somewhere, or I'm running down the stairs to the basement, uh, to jump on with another show on ESPN Radio, or I'm writing and he's writing, and it's just it's a constant uh, communication anyway. But this week has just been, as long as you and I work together, brother, th- th- this week has been the most unique of experiences, and it's it's exhausting in all the best ways. Because mm-hmm. again, I, I've said it on every platform we've been given. Uh, I I honestly didn't expect to ever cover this not to the level that it's happened with the confederate flag ban at nascar racetracks and i'm so thankful that i'm here to do that i'm so thankful that i'm I'm mostly thankful for the the emotion that we hear in the voice of brad darty and in the voice of of warwick scott and i've been texting with um crew members and spotters and drivers and just like you have nascar officials 
uh, NASCAR executives about this. And the question that you and I both have received so many times, no matter what ESPN show, radio, television, podcast, whatever that we've been asked is, what has the reaction been? And my answer has always been relief. And you heard Warwick Scott say this, and Brad Darty said it too, which is there's this perception that the NASCAR fan is this particular thing, and it's because of the flags. And, yeah, and I, that's that, one and, thing. And, that and, I, and, and so, and so the relief of not having to explain that away um, one day that that's 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 the overwhelming sense that I get talking to everyone. That's one thing that's got my head spinning is that perception of the NASCAR fan and the Southern man and all of that. Based on what Warwick just said, um, I'm still uh, processing his admittance that he had judged me based on how I sound before he ever met me. And the reason that my head is spinning in that way is because it's like, well, why? And I, the and, and where I am with it is that's a hell of an admission on his part. And I appreciate it because I think ultimately what that teaches me is that's what Warwick Scott has carried every day of his life. Right. And that's a very difficult thing to reconcile because it, it'll piss you off because you'll be like, well, what did I do? I've never done anything that would give anyone any inclination that I judged anyone in that way or acted in that way or carried myself in that way or participated in anything that would ever be remotely close to disparaging to someone else's race or or religion or anything else and then you go okay wait a minute let's let's just remove our ego or our pride for a second and let's consider what brad has told us what bubba has told us what warwick told us what what um i've had countless conversations over the past week with colleagues of mine who i consider to be brothers i had a conversation with one of my best friends from high school after svp the other night when i stated when he asked me what do you say to people that are mad at this decision and i said um nascar's not closing a door on you they're opening their doors to everyone and one of my best friends is from from high school is the greatest athlete I've ever I've ever been on any field with, and I actually asked him if he would be okay if I shared our the, the moment that we had a couple of nights ago, and he said you have to you have to share that moment. Uh, his name's Rayfield Milton. He's probably the greatest football player in my high school's history. Um, uh, uh, the best athlete I've ever been on any field with, and he is uh, he's a black man. And he and his twin brother, Maurice, were great friends of mine growing up. And I saw him be subjected to terrible commentary at times. And when he he happened to be watching SVP a couple nights ago, no idea I was going to be on, no idea we were going to discuss this, no idea about any of it. And he, as I, as I got off of SVP and my mind was racing, I'm sure yours has been racing after every live shot you've done because – Every word has to be the right words. You have to make sure that you are, are articulating what you want to say very well and what's on your heart very well. And Raphael was sobbing. Raphael was crying when I answered the phone. I mean, it was immediately when I got off of SVP, my phone rang and it was Raphael. And I'd been thinking about him anyway. Um, and he, I said, I need to ask you why you're, uh, why are you upset right now? And, he said, because you just said 
the perfect sentence. You just said something that I, I can't say. It took you to say that. You had to say that sentence. And he said, you've seen what I've had to deal with our whole lives. And for you to say that is so amazing on that platform. And then, you know, you, you being McGee, you've actually taken that kind of concept to an entirely other plane with the passion that, that you've stated and the vulnerability that you've stated in your columns, certainly, and, and on all these television channels. And all of that right now at 9.09 in the morning on this Saturday after six consecutive days of discussing this, um, my head is spinning. And I am be I am opening up that vulnerability right now. And I, I, we've been given the platform to do that. And these conversations are so important. But I'm tired. And yeah. I know that that's a selfish thing to say. It's a selfish thing to say. But it's the truth. And it's okay that it's the truth. And I'm sure that so many people are tired, but we can't stop. It's just a lot, and man. It's a lot. It's a lot. And, and, I, and I frame it within the context that you started with, which is Warwick Scott and, and that family. And, you know, the, the anxiety that he has always described to you and I both and just did on our show to the nation the anxiety that he feels has always felt when he goes to the racetrack and it should be the last place where he feels like that but that's how he's felt and that is that is burned into his dna because of what his family endured but also you know persevered through for 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 more than a decade I, i want to tell one more story and I know I see the break thing. I know James is going to have to do a lot of math here, but this is an important story. I want to go back to Rayfield just a minute. Again, if you're just now tuning in, I'm getting ready to talk about one of my high school teammates who has been like a brother to me since we were five years old. We played sports together our whole lives. I wrote a book, and within that book, I write about my high school football experience. The chapter is called Forever Friday. It's how I and so many people across this country carry high school football with them every day. That experience. And within that chapter, I wrote this sentiment that, that all of the racial and political and religious lines that separate us in our daily lives are erased between the lines of a football field. Because you have to lean on your brothers. If you don't do your job, then your brother can't do his job to the optimum level because you are failing him. And I wrote that. And I closed that chapter. McGee just closed a book the other day. And so he's living all of that too. I closed that chapter of that book and I was driving to the grocery store at our summer place in New Jersey, in South Jersey. And I'm driving and I got the radio off and it's silence in the car and I'm going to the grocery store and I'm thinking about what I just wrote. And it's this, you know, hunky dory, man, when our team is number one on Friday night, our town is number one on Saturday morning and there's great psychology in that. But I started thinking, is that true? Is everything that I wrote true? Am I, am I just looking at that through my perspective? Cause that's my perspective. So I picked up the phone and I called Raphael and Raphael answered the phone and I said, I have to ask you a question and it's a hard question and I need you to not judge my question. And he said, whatever you got to ask brother, bring it. I said, have I ever made you feel lesser as a human being? Have I 
ever done anything. <clears throat> Excuse me. That made you feel anything but my friend and my equal. And I got this emotional when I asked him. Ooh. I didn't expect this. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, and I was terrified of what he might say. And he said, uh, <laughs> he said, you know what I've seen, but you have never treated me like anything but a man and an equal and your friend. And I can't tell you how relieved I was by that. It's Marty McGee on ESPN Radio and the SEC Network. Uh, if you want to jump in on the show, please do. It's 888-SAY-ESPN. It's 888-729-3776. Thanks to Brad Darty. Thanks to Wark Scott. Uh, Clinton Yates is going to join us uh, at the bottom of the hour. We have been so jammed full of incredible insight from guests that it's been difficult to get to those phone lines, but but you still have a chance to get in. Again, that's 888-SAY-ESPN. It's 888-729-3776. This is Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Marty, I want to, I want to say two things to you. I want to say, number one, as your friend and as your colleague and as someone who I don't want to overstep, but I feel like I know your heart as well as anyone, um, I can't thank you enough for what you shared. You shared that with me. The other night on the telephone, and I'm so thankful that you shared it with the nation, and I'm so thankful for your your emotion with that. Um, and I think that's just what we've all been dealing with. And you and I, until we just spent that segment talking about how we're just we're tired in a good way because we're discussing something we thought would never happen. That being said, I have a very I have a, I have a crucial question for you. How do you think that NASCAR will survive going forward now that Ray Sicarelli has decided that he is not going to race in the Gander RV and Outdoors uh, Truck Series? I mean, uh, how is it going to recover? And for folks that don't know, Ray Sicarelli is a racer in the Truck Series, which is essentially AAA baseball. And he uh, posted a, a, an F-bomb of a Facebook post well, it's been a fun ride, a dream come true, and I'm not participating after 2020 is over. And he went on about the uh, the flag and the kneeling and racists and uh, not participating in political BS and whatever else. He's backed up off that a little bit, but but if Ray Sicarelli is done, what, what, what was what was your reaction when you learned that Ray Sicarelli had decided that he was no longer going to race in the uh, in the in the truck series going forward? My reaction was. Don't let the screen door hit you where the good Lord split you. <laughs> My reaction was, who the hell is Ray Sicarelli? <laughs> yeah, uh, and look, I, I would love if he called the show. I would. I mean, I would yeah. I would love if he called the show and offered his perspective on why he feels that way. I would. I would love to hear that. And, you know, one thing that, <clears throat> that's that been on my heart, too, is um, I don't want anybody who listens to what we're doing and, and how we're trying to continue and, and open up these very important conversations. Uh, I am extremely grateful for our law enforcement officials and our first responders and our firemen. I, I, this is what they do is heroic. And we cannot, we cannot as a society 
have blanket conversations, right? You can't blanket this sector or that sector. Well, they do this and they do that. There shouldn't be they's, right? There are, there are, there are bad people in every sector. Okay. Let's just put it that way. So I've, I've been wanting to say that part too. I am grateful yeah. for all of the law enforcement officials who keep our community safe every single day. And, but in terms of, of, of Ray, um, I had not, I mean, I'm not trying to be rude or mean. I'd not heard of him. And, and for him, that's his prerogative. If he wants to, if he cares more about, about that, that flag or, and I'm trying to keep the context of his post. I'm pretty sure, I wish I had the post up in front of me. James, if you can find it, please I'm put it right up. Here. No, I'm reading it right I'm, here. I, I'm almost positive it, that he said, I don't care about the Confederate flag. Didn't he? He, he did. He did. But, but I, and I, and I, I joke about him, but, but I will say this. I, I believe talking about perceptions, there was a perception amongst a lot of people out there that don't that haven't paid any attention to motorsports a lot for for a lot of reasons but in, in some cases because of the confederate flag and i believe that they honestly thought in their heart that the nascar garage half of them were going to quit and big team owners were going to quit and you know especially old school nascar team owners are going to quit and walk away and Ray Sicarelli's it, and oh by the way, hasn't quit. Uh, you know, posted something angry about not going to race after 2020, and has, has backed up off of that a little bit in the days since. So uh, I bring him up as a joke, but I also bring him up to make the point. To your point about blanket statements, I think there were assumptions because there were incorrect assumptions about the people like, in the NASCAR garage and the people in the industry that they all just go, "Well, if I can't, if I can't fly the Confederate flag, yeah, why am I even going to go racing?" And and one it's, guy threatened to walk away, and that's it. That's all. That's all we've got. Right. That and that one guy, and then of course there's the longtime, excuse me, helmet manufacturer, not manufacturer, helmet painter and designer, who kind of went on a Twitter, uh, Twitter. What is Twitter? Twitter tirade about it, and uh, he has lost business. Let, let me try to explain what he does. The, the cool paint schemes on the driver's safety helmets and the designs that, that, that the drivers want on their helmets or whatnot. This guy has been a long time designer and painter and he does not agree with this decision and has not come off that. And he has lost business from Jimmy Johnson, Ryan Blaney and Bubba Wallace and he kind of tried to back up a little bit on social media and Bubba just wasn't having it. It's uh, it's funny the stance that you take when when you think that uh, there's other people with you, and then uh, it's like the old guy that wants to fight in the parking lot after school, and he screams, "Hold me back, hold me back!" and hopes his buddies hold him back because he doesn't actually want to fight. And then when his buddies don't hold him back, suddenly he realizes he thought he was uh, he thought he had backup, but the reality is he's alone. And I think there's going to be a handful of those guys out there, but it isn't hundreds it isn't thousands it isn't everyone at the racetrack and that's what's important to know our buddy clinton yates going to join us for some more perspective it's ryan mcgee and marty smith we want to bring in friend of the show as they like to say in the radio business our uh, the writer from the undefeated and our good buddy clinton yates uh clinton yates how are we doing today 
I'm good, man. I got a little. I was watching a little Sprint Cup action, Sprint Cup action, Sprint Car action earlier on the dirt track. They're showing okay. guys out there in in, in uh, somewhere in Washington I never seen before. So I don't know, <laughs> just, just warming up for the show. Yeah, you know what Kyle I'm saying? Larson was out there. Yeah, Kyle Larson, uh, your boy yeah, Kyle Larson yeah, was out your there. Your boy you know Carl Larson, his yeah, new his new there. career exactly. You know. So yep, and uh, he's back where he started. Uh, so <laughs> I, we really wanted to have you on today. Brad, have Brad already on for. 45 minutes and he was mm-hmm. amazing we, we had uh sure warwick scott grandson of wendell scott on he was amazing but when I, I hate that phrase when this all started because it started yeah. long ago but when this particular chapter of this story started two weeks ago two and a half weeks ago we had you on this show and we t- talked to you about when you look into the future what do you hope we see and we talked about the conversation starting and the dialogue starting um, over the last two weeks, and we'll get to NASCAR in a second, but over the last two weeks, have you seen the dialogue that you hope to see? I've seen more than the dialogue. I've seen the action. You know, the Minnesota Police Department was still operating the way that it should or the way that it did back then. We've rethought that entirely. We talked about the school situation in terms of def- divesting themselves from the schools that Minnesota has done. We've seen what happened at the track, as we just talked about. I know we'll get to that. But to me, the conversations are one part. The action is another. And the action isn't always just in the voting booth. The action isn't always just in a courtroom. The action sometimes is just person to person. I saw a video the other day of a brother who's a UPS driver for a little sub situation, a sub, you know, a sub neighborhood, one of these deals. And everybody came out and cheered the guy on. And I know that these kind of things are corny and so on and so forth, but action means different things to different people. And for me, it means not having to explain to every single white person what racism is and what they can do. And it also means being able to feel decent walking into a place and being able to say something that I think is messed up and have somebody actually listen to me. That to me is as much action as is, as is any overarching policy or law or anything else that can happen. You know what I mean? So very different things can mean very different things can mean a lot of different things to a lot of people. And in my life, that's been good so far these past two weeks. How do you even describe the past two weeks? <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is that there's, a, there's, you know, this word woke goes around. It's, it's big on the Internet. It's big with a lot of people. It's become coded almost like the word thug, you know what I mean, in the 15, 20 years prior. But the way I described the last two weeks is simply one of change and change for the sake of change is not always a good thing, but change that actually indicates I've had a an opinion shift in my mind in a way that is going to actually make a difference in not just what I do, but what I think, you know, it's one thing to tell somebody you can't drop in bombs on people because that's frowned upon in polite society. It's another thing to tell people, well, you know, the reason why black folks get upset about not feeling included in things is because our agency was taken from us from the beginning. And if you get all into the rest of it, you can understand why folks are angry. Believe that. It's another thing to think one thing and just do another. And I think that we've gotten closer to the latter in these last couple of weeks. People actually understand, yo, this is messed up. Not just, I can't say this, I can't do this because I'm going to be shunned. We're moving into a level of mutual actual human existence that is shared that people can get. And that to me is as much as we can ever really ask. All right. So then here's a, here's a question coming from, as I read about myself, I'm a woke snowflake sheep. Um, (laughs) 
Man, I've always thought that about you. I know, man. I, I, just have, funny, I haven't, I haven't I been comfortable that saying your back. it. But. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, well, I like being awake, and uh, I think snowflakes are beautiful. And, um, you know, I think the definition of a sheep is someone who has to be spoon-fed their insults that they can throw at me from, from on Twitter. But that's, but that's a whole other discussion. So, But but, but a, a question for you that we've asked. We asked Brad Darty. Uh, we asked Warwick Scott. Um, I've asked a million people this week. Um, and uh, as someone who has been on our Wilderness Lodge set yep. and said, I am I am going to be a NASCAR fan, uh, what was your reaction at 5 o'clock Eastern on Wednesday when uh, the proclamation came out that uh, no more Confederate flags at the racetrack? So three things. What I said on the set was I'm going to go to a race, which is an important right. distinction because I've been a fan of the sport and league for a good 20 years. Correct. That's first off. Number two. I knew something must have been up because earlier that day, one Marty Smith followed me on Twitter, and I was like, what's going on here? We've been friends for a while. This dude had followed me, and I was like, hold on. Something might happen. Now, I'll tell you what happened. What happened is that NASCAR announced that they were going to allow protests, which let's not get twisted. In itself was a big decision. You see what I'm saying? There was a couple things that happened. That announcement in itself was big, and I was thinking, okay. And the next thing you know, I know Marty's laughing. Next thing you know... They decide that the flag is going away. And I listen, I've been a professional journalist for more than a decade, obviously. But I've been on Twitter since 09. I don't spend a whole lot of time using vulgarities on Twitter. Number one, because I want to stay employed. And number two, I have a better vocabulary than that. I had to cuss on the bird, y'all. It was that shocking in terms of simple American history. And I ain't going to lie to you. The problem with NASCAR was it was the last bastion of mainstream, upstanding, social, never mind sports life that accepted the Confederate flag as reasonable. And that was a problem. And it's not a problem in the sense that I got to come in, no pun intended here, guns blazing every time I talk about it. It was a problem in terms of simply stating who is welcome and who is not. We ain't even got to get into all the history. We ain't got to do all that. And so when I saw that, it's very interesting to hear you all talk about this because obviously your self reconciliation in terms of who you all are and your, you know, your tremendous column, Ryan, is one thing. But for me, this was celebratory. This was a long live, you know, this was a ding dong the witch is dead situation for me because I've been watching this league for a while. Go ahead, get that thing out of there and let's get to watching some racing. You know what I mean? Like this is not as much about necessarily black folks having to spend a lot of time cheering on white people for finally doing the right thing. Just go ahead on and let us in and let us be a part of this, which we've been trying to do for a while. That's the phase I'm in. You know what I mean? And I can do that because I comfortably know and understand the league. I know people like you. I know people like Marty. I know people who basically do not rep that and do rep the race, as in the racing of the cars. And so for me, it's an easy transition. But what NASCAR has to do is stop spending so much time congratulating itself and go ahead on and make sure you broaden yourself out like you're supposed to be doing to begin with, because hello, that's what is all this is about. When you see that flag, what's it make you feel? How do you feel? Honestly, at almost 40 years old these days, Marty, I laugh when I see that flag because I know full well that anybody flying that is flying that thing out of fear and out of self-loathing. You can say heritage, you can say history, but the bottom line is, is that if you were proud to be a human being living in 2020 and where you are, that flag wouldn't be any part of your existence. I'll tell you a quick story. My buddy had a 
bachelor party down in Wilmington, North Carolina. It was one of these deals where you rent a house on, you know, on a, on a lake or a piece of water, you know, and everybody stays there and everybody's there the whole time. We're driving down there from the DC area at the time. I mean, we get up in a little territory and we start seeing a couple things and I'm like, look guys, I need to talk to you all right now. That's the third Confederate flag we've seen. I guarantee you that that thing is probably at least two miles away, but I can see it, you know, and I need you all to know that the way that this trip is going to go is different than you think. First of all, none of you idiots leave me alone in any of this place. And secondarily, if I tell you all that something's a problem, believe me and help me. And I'm not saying it was on some craziness. I mean, all we did was sit out there and drink beer and fish and talk trash. But my point is, is that when I see that, I got to know something could go awry whether anybody means it or not. And I laugh. The reason I say that I laugh is because like, yeah, I know it's a warning. All right. But that doesn't mean that I'm scared in certain situations though. It means that I got to have my guard up and that's not how I want to live my life. And that's why having it at the track is a problem. Hmm. Well, and, and that's why, and I said this to you, uh, when we talked on the radio, I think it was that, that night, um, yeah. or, or Thursday night. Yeah. I said to you, I said, now I can take you to the track and, it, I, I won't feel like it's a containment and distraction game. You know, exactly. let's just let's just watch racing, man. I, I, I really believe there's a stress level that's been that's existed along with that flag. That I think people who even think that the flag hasn't bothered them, I think they're going to be shocked at how relieved they are once it. And listen, it's going. It, there's no question. There's going to be pushback. And there are probably more flags at the Daytona 500 in the campground next year than there were last year just because you've told somebody they can't do something. But mm-hmm. but in the long run, when it goes away, which it's going to, uh, I think people are going to be surprised at how relieved they are when that stress is, is just not always in the background anymore. It, 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 at least that, that's how I'm going to feel. And it's going to be – people are going to be relieved when, frankly, races start becoming more fun because more people are willing to show up and the experience can be diversified beyond just the human beings that are there. That's the whole thing about the NASCAR lifestyle is that there's a lot more going on than just the race. And if you've got people who are willing to come to it and bring their part of society to whatever the fun is, just think about how college football works. you got so many different flavors in that pot that it makes it fun to pop in on each one. Now you're just opening up that recipe book in order for allow, in order to allow people to come into the sport. That to me is amazing. You talked about that opening the doors metaphor, Marty. That's exactly where we are. And I'm here for the open doors. I don't need to spend my time talking about, listen, what happened in the past and how bad it was. We know that. Revisiting that is not where I am. I'm trying to move to a point where you're exactly right, Ryan. The, the, I don't even know. You can exhale. And just watch a race. Think about this as a black person. I ain't got to defend this nonsense anymore either. You know, yeah, I said, right. I tweeted, I tweeted, NASCAR did pretty good in Atlanta. People, oh, they ain't bring down the flags. They ain't bring down the flags. Who cares? What a flag's down now, dog. Let's go ahead and watch a race. You know, it's not just black America either, Clinton. I saw, uh, there's an artist that I just admire so much named Jason Isbell. He's one of the greatest songwriters ever and certainly in, in our current times. And I saw that he tweeted at Jimmy Johnson mm. and said, Hey man, I want to come to a, I'm interested in coming to a race now and I want to go with you. Let's make this happen. And the reason that he said that is because his belief system, and he's a white man, his belief system did not include that flag. And now that NASCAR has taken these steps, he's interested in integrating himself into the NASCAR culture. And he's not alone. And so, 
this is and again for for those of you folks who are pissed off at the world because the flag's gone that is your prerogative if you want to have it on your wall in your house cool do it you're an american you can do that but in order to make everyone feel welcome nascar's not shutting a door in your face they're opening that door to everybody so that they feel comfortable welcome included in that event and in that moment and that's important yeah i love it i love it i'm watching racing all weekend all right and and you're coming to daytona with us in february right let's talk about that i'm absolutely doing that number one and number two i want to go to a daytona is a big one but we got to go to another one too you know what i'm saying because i got to go somewhere that's not just big on its own name i'm i don't know if i'm going to alabama now you know what I mean? But <laughs> I'll go somewhere in North Carolina, that's for sure. We'll take you to Martinsville. Martinsville is as old school as it gets. With that Charlotte works. Motor Speedway. We'll we'll take you we'll take you to uh yeah, we'll take you to some old school tracks that uh and, and listen, the the excitement that I have about being able now to make phone calls and say, Come on, let, let's get in my truck, drive thirty minutes to the Charlotte Motor Speedway and go see an event and I promise you you're gonna have a good time. And even if you might see something, if you might see a couple of flags this time, then you know they're on the run. Right. And I, I think, I think that helps. Right. Yeah, Listen, when the that, Marty and McGee, like a, when the Marty McGee road show finds itself on a campground, all right, at a NASCAR race, I will be a guest on the program. All right. God willing. That's all I'm saying. Just bring a cooler and, <laughs> right. uh, bring yeah, a man. cooler you and a pay pay us in cold beer, Clint. <laughs> No, but I just want to make that point. I'm here for this being a positive moment. Hello, they banned the Confederate flag. That's awesome. Yep. You know, let's think about how good this is going forward. I understand the reconciliation and the thought process you all have gone through, and I appreciate that as not just a racing fan, but as a black American and as a colleague and as a friend. But let me tell you this, man. I am happy, and that's where I'm going to be going forward. There you go. Clinton Yates, uh, you're the man, and uh, we appreciate you getting up early for us. Doing my best, y'all. Keep it up. All right, you too, Clinton Yates from the Undefeated, and uh, it, it's it, it, this is in all caps and uh, and bolded. Friend of the program, of that's Marty our McGee. boy, man. That's our boy. He can come on here anytime he wants. It's Marty McGee on ESPN Radio and the SEC Network. But why can uh, every day be just hollering at your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio? And I would holler at my smart smart speaker. Could you put some rice in the microwave, smart speaker? And if it could, then I'm going to shut it down because it scares me. We're presented hey, by Progressive speaker, Insurance. Should I shave my three-day beard? <laughs> I didn't think so. I can have a hard time saying, not only do the smart speakers not understand me and my dialect, I have a hard time saying smart speaker. I keep yeah, saying smart speaker. Yeah, it's a tough one. Uh, uh, we, it's, it's been, uh, it's been quite the morning here on Marty McGee and we, because we have been so jammed full of guests, we have not been able to go, uh, to the phone lines, but we're going to do it now. Darnell has in Los Angeles has been on hold for a long time. Darnell, welcome into Marty McGee. Appreciate you. Hey, how you guys, how you guys doing today? Good, good. Thanks for joining us. All right. Uh, forgive me if I sound a little nervous. Um, you know, I, I tend to get that way, uh, and a little emotional as well, but, uh, as I'm driving, um, Excuse me. Uh, I hear Mr. Smith tell this story about how he asked his buddy, you know, has he, you know, if he if he ever said anything or did anything to make him feel less of an equal. And man, I appreciate as a black man, I appreciate you being who you are asking that question because what that show was self awareness. And uh, and I know that if he had a said yes, I remember that one time. 
I know you the guy. You're the type of guy that would have been like, you know what? I really apologize, and 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 you would have done that whole thing. That's what. That's where you know uh, change is. That's that's how you know the change can happen when people are self aware, and and they want to change. They want to know, hey, did I do something wrong? Because if I did, let me correct myself. When people have to be asked to 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 apologize, they really don't want to change. But when a person wants to apologize on their own, that's how you know they want to change. And that's how you know the things are going to change. And I appreciate that story, man. It, it meant so much I had to actually pull over, man, because I was like, if more people took that responsibility and took that, that role right there to want to, to figure out, hey, did I do something or what can I do? Man, we're on our way. We're on our way, man. So I appreciate that, man, big time. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to say that, Darnell. I'll be honest with you. I, I've said to, to the guys during breaks that it almost embarrassed me a little bit just because <clears throat> that's been on my heart so much. But I never expect it. I just don't want anybody to ever infer that I'm telling that story because I want something to be about me. That ain't it. And I'm so glad that, that Darnell, you, and, and hopefully so many others received it as I hoped to project it. And and the reason I told it in the first place, brother, is because I asked Rayfield. I said, D -D what do you think about me maybe sharing that story? And he said, you have to. You have to share that story. And so that's why I felt empowered to do it. I did, never dreamed I'd get that emotional, but uh, I appreciate it. Well, it was um, – and I told you when you said it that I was thankful that you did it. And, uh, and I'm thankful for, for this entire conversation this morning. Um, I feel like it's kind of the culmination of what you and I have tried to say, tried to do, uh, the dialogue we've tried to have all week when NASCAR suddenly seized and ran with this momentum and doing things that, yeah, they should have done a long time ago, but they've done it now. And, uh, and, and I really believe that what you have said is what sticks with me, Marty, which is, they're not telling someone they can't come to the racetrack. They're telling everyone they can come to the racetrack. They're mm -hmm. open. They're not closing the door on you because of a flag. They're opening the door for everyone by getting rid of that flag. And uh, I didn't think I'd see the day, but it's here, and I'm so thankful it is.